Before we begin, I would like to say thank you to our sponsor this week, Woodland Ag, Quality Red Angus. Woodland Ag is located on the southern side of the Red River. For more information about Woodland Ag's Red Angus genetics or just to talk shop, call 903-249-2515. Woodland Ag, raise them right, raise them red. I went to work at Far Feeders on January 5th, 1993. That's my dad, John Provence. My first day, I was a pen rider. It was 13 degrees below zero that day. And so, ice and snow everywhere. It wasn't safe to ride the horses, so we walked the pens on foot. We gathered the sick cattle, brought them into the hospital pens, doctored them, and then took the cattle that had already been treated and were healthy back to the pens. It was sub-zero temperatures the first two weeks that I worked there. So every day we did this on foot. 30,000 head of cattle got checked by cowboys on foot every day, seven days a week. I learned right quick, no one cares more about the health of the cattle in a feed yard than the cattle feeder does. I got the idea for this short series one day when Dad and I were talking about the way consumers perceive feedlots. He made a comment very similar to the story he just told with the same message of no one cares more about that animal's health or environment than the person who's feeding it. Over the next couple of weeks, I'm going to give you some more information to not only prove my dad's point, but not sugarcoat it. I'll give you the truth and hopefully it may change some of you naysayers' opinions. From the Activist versus Agriculture audio archives, I'm in Provence, and this is part one of Feedbots, the Uncensored Truth. Some of you listening right now may not know much about feedlots, and that is totally fine. You know, there's not too many commercials out there talking about the magical world of fattening up cattle. However, within this week's blog post and the next, I will be shedding light on the ins and outs of feedlots, feeders, fed cattle, as well as the history of feedlots and their purpose. First and foremost, let's get the definitions and statistics out of the way. According to the USDA, a feedlot, often referred to as a feed yard, is the final stage of cattle production with a focus on feeding steers and heifers in a confined area, a ration of grain, silage, hay, and or protein supplement for the slaughter market that are expected to produce a carcass that will grade select or better. Just some more terms I think you should know because I will be using them throughout this audio file. A feeder is the person who raises the cattle in the feedlot, and fed cattle are cattle fed and finished in a feedlot. You hear this term a lot when you start talking about cattle market prices. According to Encyclopedia.com, feedlots were first introduced in California in the 1940s. Since then, many feedlots have migrated to the Midwest to be closer to grain supplies. About half of the beef produced in the U.S. is raised in feedlots. Personally, I see posts about the, quote, evils, end quote, of feedlots regularly in my anti-animal agriculture Facebook groups. 
so this statement in the encyclopedia came as no shock to me. These people, like many anti-ags, jumped on the agriculture is bad for the environment train a few years back when they realized the eating meat is unethical approach didn't work on many consumers. They claim that feedlots are a breeding ground for greenhouse gas emissions and that by consuming cattle raised in feedlots, carnivorous humans are the problem. Once again, I will pull out my broken record and play it. It is titled, Agriculture Isn't Destroying the Planet, Agriculture is Feeding It, and I'll cite the Environmental Protection Agency while I do it. Seriously, I feel like I've said this a million and one times at this point. Nearly 10% of all 2018 greenhouse gas emissions in the United States can be attributed to agriculture as a whole. These emissions primarily come from livestock such as cows, agricultural soils, and rice production. The key phrase we're looking for there is as a whole. Not 10% of greenhouse gas emissions can be attributed to cattle. 10% of all 2018 greenhouse gas emissions in the United States can be attributed to agriculture as a whole. According to the EPA, livestock, especially ruminants such as cattle, produce methane as part of their normal digestive processes. This process is called enteric fermentation, and it represents over a quarter of the emissions from the agriculture economic sector. The website continues to its next bullet point about livestock, stating, The way in which manure from livestock is managed also contributes to methane and nitrous oxide emissions. Different manure treatment and storage methods affect how much of these greenhouse gases are produced. Manure management accounts for about 12% of the total greenhouse gas emissions from the agriculture economic sector in the United States. Now that we've gotten the statistics and facts, facts stated by an unbiased government-funded organization, I might add, out of the way, let's talk a little bit about logic and economics. Logically speaking, Feedlots are more sustainable for the environment than finishing cattle on pasture. I know, this sounds far-fetched, and I'm not throwing any shade on my grass-fed guys. But hear me out. In a feedlot, a large amount of cattle are placed in pens. I've been to a few feedlots and seen some pens that are the size of a high school gymnasium and some that are the size of about 10 football fields. The amount of cattle in these specific pens is based on the size of the cattle as well as the size of said pen. Obviously, you'll have less cattle in a smaller pen and more cattle in a larger pen. In past blog posts, I've talked about stocking rate, which is basically the amount of pasture acreage needed for grazing per head of cattle. However, cattle are not sent to feedlots to graze on grass. They're sent to feedlots to eat a feed ration mainly made up of grains. And in doing so, the feeder eliminates the need for large acreage. So, if we have more cattle covering less ground, wouldn't it make sense that feedlots are sustainable? Another thing we need to talk about logically is the claim that fed cattle are neglected and unhealthy. Let's just put a pin in the humanity factor of animal health and discuss the bottom line for a minute. Economically, and logically speaking, why wouldn't the feeder want, no, 
why wouldn't the feeder need healthy cattle in their feedlot? If a steer is unhealthy, not properly cared for, and or stressed due to an unhealthy environment or confined to a too small space, he will either A, die, or B, be unfit to finish, ultimately ending in money lost on said steer and a bad reputation for the feeder and their feedlot. If feeders do not properly care for their workspace, their cattle, or the feed they give their cattle, they put their livelihood at risk. And why would anyone who spends 365 days a year, 24 hours a day on call, put all of their money into caring for an animal unless they truly cared for their health? My final point is this. We simply cannot feed the world without feedlots. Nearly 7.8 billion people currently live on this earth. That's 7.8 billion mouths to feed. How on earth could we feed that many people without agricultural practices like the feedlot system? If you've got a better idea than raising an abundance of cattle in as little space as possible while strategically feeding them a mixture of grains to get them to a successful finishing weight, please enlighten me. Next week, I'll be touching more on this subject with comments from Maylene Frost of Santana Feeders in Edgar, Montana. Maylene shared more information with me about the day-to-day -day operations at a feedlot, as well as offered comments in response to anti-ag activists who claim feedlots are unethical and bad for the environment. Here's a small clip from next week's episode. The only way that we could do anything different is if people quit eating beef. And we don't want that. You don't want to quit eating beef. If you do quit eating beef, you have to get your protein source somewhere else. And farming soybeans, say, for your protein, is, is, not, is not an option. You would increase your carbon footprint, and there's not enough farm ground out there to get that much protein to replace the beef. There's really no other viable option that's good for the planet and good for the people as far as protein production. God gave us cows to eat. Mm -hmm. that's, that's what he put them here for. And he put us in dominion over them to take care of them, to be, to raise them and, and take the best care of them we can. It's, I say it's our gift from God to be able to do that and to, to raise it and to raise beef and to be able to feed people. I mean, we, we take a lot of pride in, in what we put out there. You know, and I know some people say, well, they're, they're such sweet creatures, how can you, you kill them? That's, that's their purpose. That's what they're designed for. Again, I would like to thank our sponsor, Woodland Ag. Raise them right, raise them red. For activists versus agriculture, I'm in Provides. And whether you're eating a carnivorous diet or a plant-based diet, be sure to thank an agriculturalist because they're the reason why your belly's full.